Hello, Hello Hoovian, and welcome, welcome back to the main channel. Ooh. Uh, I only had 16 YouTube channels, now I've got 17. Uh, whole video on that will be arriving shortly. Today we're back with the podcast More Interviews. Stay tuned for Friday and stay tuned for Saturday because some interesting pieces of information or videos will be out. Anyway, today I'm joined by a very special guest. He's best known for writing Doctor Who with Big Finish. It's one and only John Dolly. Oh, I'm, I'm cheering myself. myself. Hello. 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 Thank, Thank you for having me. me. So we'll start at the very beginning because it's always a very good place to start. Julian yes. Andrews was correct when she said that. How did you get into the wonderful world of writing? Um, well, I kind of always did it. Um, I wrote lots and lots when I was at school and I would always write things there. And, um, you know, when I went to drama school where I sort of trained up to be an actor, I ended up, I ended up kind of like writing things all the time, little sketches for things. And we do things called like uh, a fight exam where you basically do stage fight and you have to write a script for those and I ended up writing scripts for other people to do. Um, and they'd always be quite surprisingly overplotted and full of, you know, relatively fun dialogue. Um, and it just meant that um, pretty much it was always in the back of my head to try and write something. I think I attempted writing a play when I was about 16 or 17 that wasn't very good. Uh, very heavily influenced by Harold Pinter uh, and uh, in not in a good way. Uh, I mean, I, lo I love Harold Pinter, but yeah, this was somebody who just tried to be Harold Pinter. Um, and then I, I left drama school and I just wasn't employed for about like four or five months and thought, oh, you know what, I'll try and write a play. And I wrote a play and the play did relatively well. It was on the uh, Festival of the Royal Court Theatre in London after a couple of years, uh, part of the Young Writers Festival. And I mean, I wouldn't say I exactly didn't look back from that point on, but um, certainly that gave me a credibility when I was sending things out. And, uh, and then it just sort of expanded from there. I wrote um, radio sketches, um, which meant when I eventually sort of got into doing the, the, the big finish stuff, I um, knew how to work audio quite well even before starting because I'd done, yeah, three years of a sketch called Train Purses. It was great fun. Where cast included, you know, such sort of current luminaries as, uh, you know, the delightful thing with all of them out of, out of Unit, and uh, as well also uh, Ben Wilbond, who's now best known for doing like ghosts and, and, and horrible histories. But yeah, then that kind of led into me uh, sort of pitching to Right Doctor and, and being kind of taken seriously. <laughs> when I kind of like started emailing them and going, oh yeah, no, it looks like I might actually be able to do this. Ended up getting into do uh, Sapphire and Seal, and from there that led to the Doctor and before you got to work on Doctor Who, were you a fan of the TV show? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I've, I, uh, I jokingly once said I think it's technically sort of the love of my life. And, um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure that is a joke. It is, yeah, basically, I've been watching it since uh, the repeat in the five faces of Doctor Who season of Carnival of Monsters in sort of 1980 or 81. Uh, so I was pretty much a child of the Dayton era. Um, and it's fascinating. A few days ago, for various reasons, I was rewatching uh, Kinder, um, which I haven't seen in a long time. And that's one of the more sort of rounded to my memory stories of, of my childhood, both sort of seeing as I think it was repeated as well. I think I had a repeat translation when I watched both. Um, but yeah, it's sort of always been there in my life. I think, I, you know, when, when it got to be in the novels, well, I kind of drifted a bit because well, then I, I read a good chunk of the novels, I think most of the new adventures, missing adventures. 
I then just started getting behind quite a bit because it was way rubbing when I went to drama school. I was busy doing other things. And once you got a bit behind, you like Marsman. I'm still sort of reading some of the books I got, and I, you know, some of them are older, like the 20 years. And I don't bought them 20 years ago, and I just haven't got around to reading yet. And just every now and then, go, okay, let's read. Let's pump in, bump in this one, whichever one was. I'm trying to remember which one it was. Just read. Recently, the face eater. I just read the face eater, which I think I bought roughly when it came out, or shortly afterwards. Um, yeah, things like that. And uh, but then, yeah, the audio coming out got me kind of back into it because I'd left drama school, um, and uh, I had a bit more time, and they they took less time to to do. Um, and and there was a theoretical chance I could be involved in it in some way because you know at this point I was an actor and and. Doing some writing as well, very quickly within the time frame. So yeah, uh, that kind of sort of renaissance really. And through your career at Big Finish, you've done a multitude of different uh, projects. But what do you prefer doing? Do you prefer writing the scripts yourself or script editing? Oh, um, I mean mainly mainly writing themselves because you've got sort of the, the control and uh, a sense of. Um, you know, you get to be the first person in the audience, in a way, is the biggest thing of it. I, I, I have basically the best seats in the house. I get to be the first person in the line of these jokes. I get to understand this story. And, and it, you know, it can be agonising points. You know, coming up with a storyline is, is like hell on earth for me. I know some people are going to, like, come up with storylines very quickly. There was at least one day when we did one from uh, Justin Richards quite quickly. And he, like, sent something back within a day that was great. And I was thoroughly sickened by that. Um, but uh, the, the scripting that the actual like, writing down the words is usually the, the fun part. Not always. Sometimes, uh, for whatever reason, you don't quite connect with the script. Even if you're like, really excited by the storyline, for whatever reason, when you're actually starting to go, oh, I don't really... There's something alchemical happens. Um, script editing-wise, I mean, that's probably less fun because you're, you're usually reading things and kind of trying to be critical and uh, trying to be effectively the intelligent listener slash viewer slash whatever. Um, but every now and then I can be really rewarded because you know there've been a few times when I feel that there's a story which was really good that I nudged up to being great because I think that's the best you can ever do as a script editor. You, you know, it's tricky. It's tricky to you know. To, I mean, I don't want to. It's, 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 I think it's probably sounds a bit harsh, but um, yeah, there's, I think you can nudge. Not just script up a few steps. So, so if it's, it's not, not working, working, then you can nudge it up to being solid enough. Um, but there are one or two where if it's already really good, you can knock it up enough. And there's like about two or three of those where I feel that I was just able to give them that extra little kick to them at the moment. And that's when it's really satisfying. And uh, there's, there's a lot of them I can go to kind of nudge into the right place. Um, and, uh, and that's always a fun. But yeah, I think probably script the scripting is probably the one I prefer, really. Yes. And when doing, once you've done and you've written the script, do you go to the recording to watch all the actors perform your work? Um, used to. Uh, often it's sort of down the line listening in. Um, and, and, yeah, it, it's, it's an really because you, you kind of... I, I think there's a value to that, but it's mainly just to, like, it's still a job. It's not kind of... Uh, I don't want to sort of be turning up there just to laugh at my own jokes. I'm largely there to pay attention and try and uh, keep an ear out for mistakes or things I might have done wrong. Because sometimes, because if you're hearing it, sometimes it leaps out at you a bit. 
Um, I'm, I'm not, not always, always able, able to attend online. I'm not always able to attend in person. Um, but it, it, it can be pretty helpful. And there have been a few options of like actually swimming by actual recording relatively recently. Um, but um, yeah, it, it's uh, often I do, and it doesn't mean that I kind of, you know, met up with lots of people. I often did when I was working at Tom Baker Adventures, I would effectively be like a chauffeur because I, I had a car and I wasn't too far away, so I'd pick people up in the station. And, and that was good because that meant that really was an introduction to a lot of writers where, you know, sort of like, for example, like that's where I first met Roy Gill because Roy lives, I, I think, Edinburgh. And, uh, and he came out of the Tom Baker recording of, um, actually, I think it's in Nadia, I think it's The Wizard of Time, which is, kind of, which is weird because it's, it was like a long time ago and it's now, uh, only now coming out because I think we would have done like 2018 or 2019 or something like that. And... Um, yeah, yeah so first, first time I met Roy, first time I met Rob Valentine was was um, down in in, in water, so the Rodney studio down there, uh, and it was I was only there largely because I was a script editor, so it wasn't script. So I'd, I'd done every now and then. I think I'd also swing in. There were there were various casts and, and crews where we got on terribly well. Like I think I went in one day for one of Matt's recordings of Unit, or just go for a pint with everyone afterwards, and to just not to actually listen to any of the recordings, which was great fun to be honest. Because there are lots of people that who love me, you know, and uh, and just good eggs. And do you have a favourite doctor that you've written for? Is like the doctor that you really love coming up with adventures for? Oh, um, I mean, in a weird sort of way, no. I mean, I, 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 I kind of love all of them. I feel I've got a, uh, a certain affinity for most of them. I haven't done Colin much, which is always feels a little bit of a, um, a surprise because I think I've only done him like about two and a half times, depending on how much you count. Uh, it's a little cameo of beautiful things. I think it's just, I think it's just the fourth wall and the dust devil. Um, I, I may be wrong on that. I kind of lose track. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's a, a lot of um, similarities between. So it's always quite. I, I, I like the doctor as a character, and there's always something fun about writing. I feel that most of them come quite easily to me, but they all come in a slightly different way. Um, and they you get yeah, slightly different places. And there's a couple I think are relatively. I think McGann and Tom Baker have a very similar vibe as voice, which given I think they're both from Liverpool is is perhaps not insanely surprising. Um, but, uh, but you know, Sylvester is like dropping bomb and um, I had a lot of fun writing Chris Eccleston. Um, so I kind of enjoy whichever one I'm doing, and it's also quite nice to have a bit of variety with that. Because uh, it's quite nice to come, come back, back to one and just go, oh, yeah, this is how this goes. This is how this goes. And, you know, you, you, you miss them after a while if you've been away for a bit. And, um, yeah, yeah. 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 I, it's, it's it's exciting to kind of just find your way back into those characters because I generally love all the characters. Yeah. yeah. And from the stories you've written for the Doctors, uh, do you have a favourite one that you re-listen to a lot? I love that. Oh, God, I, I tend not to re-listen them. I listen to them... I, every now and then I will re-listen to them if, um, for, if for whatever it really are, I re listened to one yesterday because I was trying to remember a detail um, from just some, a, a random companion chronicle. It was, it was so strange like, listening to the beginning of it kind of go, I remember nothing about this. Now I've seen it, I remember it. That's kind of amazing. But uh, yeah, there's, it's sort of weird listening back to them because you know, they are a very small snapshot of my life, each one by one, um, that uh, you sort of... You sort of kind of forget it there, and then every now and then it just reminds me. Every now and then I get the urge to listen to one for whatever reason. Um, I, but um, 
I, I, I think, think there are there are a few where I think I've listened and again on the basis of like playing them to people. But if people are kind of interested in hearing them, you go, well, okay, which ones do I pick? To kind of usually it'd be something like to me of Zaros because that's that's got people they've heard of and it's quite standalone and short. So, so if people want to hear one, that's one of my examples. I think Monsters in Metropolis is probably going to join that as well, where it's that you're vaguely aware of it, you, you know, it makes a lot of sense. There are a few others where you're kind of going, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to send them down the road to do coverage because it's not that bit. You know, there's a lot of listening to do around that. And, you know, it wouldn't make anyone. But um, yeah, every now and then I might get the urge to listen to, listen to one. I suspect, yeah, because I'm sort of, I'm trying to listen to the audio to big finish, have released stuff I haven't heard yet. Um, it'll be a while before I kind of, but there'll be, you know, I'll have them for dotage. I kind of go, oh yeah, I remember doing that vaguely. And from your your range, range that's kind of like, you've lost some some Doctor Who spin-offs. Yes. Particular spin-offs that you're most proud of. Oh, um, in terms of like individual episode or like in like, like box set wise. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, I, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few yeah, that I really, I really had a great time doing the, the couple of Missy stories I did. In particular, uh, the, the very first one I did with her and, and Rufus. So there's, you know, there's, there's a few others where I, 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 I was you know, immensely pleased with my sort of episode of Lady Christina. We did the very first one I did because I, uh, I, I think they, they sent it out as an example of the tone. We're going, going, oh, no, this is... They felt like they were so kind of right what it, what it should be. They just sent it out and go, this is what we're kind of aiming for. Um, and, yeah, I had an absolutely delightful time writing that one. And, you know, it, it, I, I kind of love all of them. Again, it's, it's, it, it's always just nice writing these things and getting them performed by good actors and do sort of uh, fun things. And um, and a lot of the time, with a lot of the characters are just so rich and, and uh, vibrant that... Um, that's that's kind of what I think in terms of like a lot of them I'm proud of quite proud of the things like Cosmosis and Robots where I steered the story on a bit and like the overall things so because I scripted into those as well as writing writing some of the episodes so I was at least part of figuring out where the story happened and where it went um but uh yeah yeah so by and large I'm you know it's whichever one I've just done is the one I'm kind of proudest of most of the time and because you've got like this endless career and, and you've got so much praise from people online, do you have a spin-off that you want to do, that like your dream spin-off to write for? Oh, as in of Doctor Who? Yeah. I mean, I, weirdly, no, I think we kind of, I think I've covered most of them. Um, I, I wouldn't mind writing a Paternoster Gang episode at some point. It's been on the schedules at some point, but then just for whatever reason, got busy doing other things. Um there's not one. I mean, I, I always quite fancy the idea of a Duggan series uh, because I kind of thought I knew what I would like it. I thought it would be quite fun to have it a bit, a bit Inspector Gadget. Just this idea of Duggan kind of running around and having a somewhat more uh, competent sidekick helping him out and uh, just fighting crime. I, I tend to kind of really want to have make sure they have their own identity. I don't think a spin-off should be like Doctor Who just without the Doctor. So, um, and there are some, for example, I mean, I've got about one of the ones that's commonly cited as an idea is people will suggest the idea of uh, um, the Clara and Ashford spin off. And that kind of doesn't appeal to me because I always kind of think, well, I don't know what that would be other than Doctor Who with two people who can't die. But at the same time, 
that's just a, a, a lot, lot of these times, times yeah, anyone says, oh, you know, you've done this one, it's a spinoff bar or whatever. I, I'm always aware of that. Bit, going, yeah, for you, maybe. So that's an idea which I can't quite process, but that doesn't mean somebody else can do a really good idea with it. And just because I can't figure out a way to make it work, there's bound to be someone else who could. And, and, and somebody might be able to present with the idea going, here's how we do this, let's do this. So I don't want to be, yeah, dismissive about any ideas, but yeah, that I would mind. I talked about recently about, I had an idea from Unbound that I really wanted to do, which is I wanted to do uh, what Doctor Who wasn't a science fiction show, and we'd do it as a Western with, uh, yeah, with the English Doctor encountering the Orson boys um, and helping out Sheriff Stewart with his battle against the, the minister. And it was all, yeah, it, it kind of feels like that's one they... I'd love, love to do it somewhere. I don't know if I'll be allowed to. There's, there's, a, there's, there's like, like a big selection about like seven or eight ideas, ideas and you kind of go, at some, some point I might be allowed to do that. So I've got, got that if there's ever a chance. And yeah. But uh, I, I, I think we all kind of have those sort of projects, sort of the dream projects. And um, yeah. And then some that some people allow you to do and then others you've got to go, no, not allowed. Um, got my game. Got a celebrity historical. I really want to do at some point, which is just a little bit excessive and problematic. Not in... That's problematic sounds really good, but there, there's reasons why some people, when I pitch them the idea, go, go really? You, could, what, that, you want to do that? I go, yes, because I think it would be amazing. And yeah, I, I think I might have found somebody who goes, yeah, maybe you can do that. So, so we'll see if that kind of works out. And a few years ago, I think, a few years, I think that is correct. There was rumours, uh, very loose rumours, and the early in the one article, there was possibly going to be a young doctor spin off a Team American version of come to mm. and if Big Finish uh, decided to do that or what would you like reckon the series would would entail um, as, as in like like, like having him left Galfrey well him as a child when he was like as a child like young Sheldon oh yeah okay um, I mean I think that's got to be kind of it's weird really because again I, I wanted to have to not be just like standard Doctor Who with like a, a young guy because how, how to differentiate and I suppose it is him kind of uh, finding his way in the universe and figuring out who he is. I think that's the the the, the, the route of prequels, isn't it? I mean, I don't think you kind of want to go the full solo route of explaining absolutely everything because you don't want him to be like finding the TARDIS. But I think it, it, it would be probably... I, yeah, you'd, thinking about it, you'd have to be, have it be a gang of, uh, you know, Time Lord Academy kids and you'd have to have him and the Master, really. Uh, possibly the Rani on the outside. Um and, and the clash inherently involved in the two of them, I think. But, um, yeah, yeah, beyond that, that would be a time. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the way to go. I, th I think they'd have, have to, like, actually be going on field trips or something like that. I don't think you could have it too much on Gallifrey, um, just the two of them. And, and, well, maybe you could. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, there, there, there's, I, I think you'd certainly need the Doctor and Master and then see what else you've got going beyond that. And not only in the world of the fish have you done standard and out out of era Doctor Who. What's your favourite non Doctor Who project you've actually worked on? Um, oh, probably well, a big thing is probably the Avengers, um, where that was always great fun to do. Um, I, I I remember literally having the discussion about the, the first sort of box that we're doing the the adapted. Missing episodes, and um, there was a uh, 
I, I, I remember having a conversation with Martina, he got you'd get to, to play the roles. And David said, Well, I was thinking of Julian Waddle and, and Anthony Howe. And I just went, Yeah, that'll, that'll work. And it was, there's literally spots on as that. And, you know, Julian in, in particular is, is, is very close to his Steed in sort of general personality ones in a way that, you know, Patrick McNee and Steed were fairly indivisible. Um, and yeah, I got to kind of write several of those and, and, and have a lot of fun with those. Um, you know, uh, the most, most recent one I got to like write part specifically for Paul O'Grady to play because he was uh, such a big Avengers fan. And, uh, and it came out one week before Paul O'Grady died. So if that frame moment ago, I hope you heard it. I hope you got the chance to actually hear it. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, the Avengers is, is very much up. And then, you know, I had the privilege of working with Sam Clements on that, so having the direct link to his father, Brian, who did so many of the original episodes. Um, yeah, yeah, all of that was a sort of solid, amazing connection to have. And and as we've learned, learned already during this interview, that you're a Doctor Who fan, what are your hopes for the 60th anniversary specials on TV? Ooh, um... I, I, I mean, like, again, I don't know. I mean, I've seen, obviously, I'm aware of the Star Beast and I know some of the plotting of the Star Beast. So, uh, I, I, it's a weird one, really, because I, uh, there was so much about Power of the Doctor that had, um, sort of anniversary special vibes. So, it's kind of trying to find a new angle. And I think I can begin, I've got the vague sense of what it could be celebrating the obscure corners of the universe. So, a lot of the things I might have. Previously wished for. I think, you know, whenever I was talking about the 50th, I thought, I just go, well, what more than anything has Willie Russell in some capacity. And it kind of feels like, well, we've just had that. It would seem weird to do it again Um But um, yeah, I think, I think it's got, um, it, it, I, I just kind of want, it wanted to be sort of fun and a laugh and, and, uh, and, and something that excites the country. I think, I, you know, I'm, Excited about that. I'm excited about uh, the 14th season and and the new Doctor. Uh, every every sort of uh, you know new photo or bit of trivia you find out just makes me get terribly excited to think this looks like it's going to be so amazing. Um, so yeah, just something that, I, that surprises me and excites me. That's kind of what I want. And, and I, I think for the 17th anniversary, going far ahead, I reckon they should recreate the unearthly child and, and make it into all all. Weird scenario of him accidentally bumping into him trying not to bump into himself several times. That could kind of work, yeah. I feel something like that could be fun. And are you working on any brand new sets you're allowed to talk about within the world of Doctor at the moment? I mean, I suppose I, I can probably, uh, the, the, I think the one that I can probably mention is I, I wrote in about February this year, which has just been announced, which is the, I think the set's called In the League Midwinter. And I've got the opening, one of those, uh, which is the second of the Eighth Doctor and Audacity uh, sets that we've got coming out in sort of November and December. Reminding us, it's called 24 Doors in December. And it's out in December. And it's got a nominal Christmas theme. In fact, they're all kind of winter-themed, hence the title in the League Midwinter, which I think was largely down to me coming up with an idea and, and saying, when's this out? Is this out in December? Going, yeah, then I'm doing Christmas. Uh, um, with uh, yeah, the Eighth Doctor, um, which is you know, not for the not for the first time I've done a Christmas story with the Eighth Doctor, and as with my previous Christmas story with the Eighth Doctor, uh, there is at least one reference in it to Chimes at Midnight because uh, Chimes, 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 Chimes,
So what to say, China's admin, admin again. No, that's really different. Um, yeah, yeah, just because, because obviously, yeah, Rob is the um, is, is the top dog, and yeah, absolutely, you know, you'd off your cap to Rob. And Chimes is such a glorious thing that, yeah, even vaguely playing in the same sandpit as that makes me feel like I've got to like reference the, the legend that is Chimes. And um, yeah, so uh, that is a Christmas special. It's got a lovely uh, guest actor in it. Uh, in fact, at least two sort of really lovely guest actors in it. Um, both of whom have done Doctor Who on TV. I think I can say that. Um, but I can't really specify more than that. Um, yeah, it, it, I, it's, a, it's a character, it involves one of the in particular characters who's probably the best part of the episode, including the regular, um, the regular team. So, yes. And because you've worked on Big Finish for such a long time, how does the, how does the writing process go from writing it to being heard by the public? How long, how far of a distance is all? Oh, I mean, it's incredibly variable. So the, the thing with, uh, I, I was talking with uh, my, my ex-girlfriend, who was part of the inspiration of the um, of 24 Doors in December for varying reasons. Um, and, and she was going, oh my goodness, that's quick, that's out already. And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then the one, the, yeah, the one I've been writing before that, um, which in, in varying ways was part of the root of the inspiration. Um, I think that recorded like a week ago. And so, and that's not going to be out, I think, till next year. And, and I'm trying to work back and work. There are various other ones where I, I've written them over a year ago and for various reasons they haven't recorded yet. And um, so there's no hard and fast rule to how long it takes. Um, yeah, sometimes it takes forever. Sometimes it, it's like months and you kind of juggle it around. So yeah, I think like London Orbital from last year, I wrote early last year and then the stories around it, I, I, again, haven't come out yet or even been announced yet in some cases. Yeah, and what is like the most fun part of working at Big Finish? Um, well, a few things. One, I really just like writing the scripts. I like so not so much the storylines. Writing the scripts is the fun bit. But to be honest, the, the thing I really like is 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 the other writers. We uh, generally speaking get on terribly well, and it's just a really solid, sort of lovely, creative bunch of people who are terribly supportive and friendly, and and also just kind of just funny and smart. Uh, so you can like send a message out onto the WhatsApp group and um, find some kind of delightful response or, you know, and any query you've got, somebody will come back to help you out. Or if you're disgruntled about something, someone will kind of, you know, throw your bone. And uh, it's just a bunch of people where you kind of know in the right time, in the right place with the right people, they're, they're, they've got my back. And they are, um, yeah, some, some really amazing people who are just a delight to work with. It's why um, I've ended up doing this um, sort of sponsored uh, 10K run which was suggested by Lisa McMullen. And um, yeah, it, 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 we're kind of looking forward to just being a, a gang of six of us doing this this, this run, but mainly go, mainly looking forward to because we're like sharing an Airbnb for the weekend, which should be kind of um, probably not terribly destructive on the Friday night, but on the night after the run, I imagine it'll be problematic. Yeah, that'll be, a, it's getting up on Sunday will not be easy. And and with with like Big Finish being such a popular thing and so many people buying so many, as you can sort of see the the stats running out of of, of room, um, because I'm running out of room and most things in in this room. Uh, what is your like feedback on that? What's your thoughts on how the fans react? Do, do you like 
me when you hear thoughts from the fans? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, people are very positive and very kind and will send messages all the time. I, I'm always very keen uh, to emphasize that uh, I am, in effect, a professional fan fiction writer. I, I kind of don't like having too much of a distinction. It's why I really enjoy like a big finish day because everyone is basically the same. It's all a bunch of fans. Just some of them are on stage talking to the other fans, but it's it's we're, we're all the same tribe. Um, so um, yeah, I, I I I like being part of that that community, and the, and the fan base is very positive and very lovely, and and everyone uh, seems to be. Um, it, it, we're, we all have a shared sort of thing we care about. So it's like you know swinging by any sort of convention there's all it, it's very easy to just like get talking to anyone because anyone we we, we have a, a shared interest in the thing we all love yeah and what's your favorite part of being at big finish day oh I, I i think it is just like well it's the direct connection with people it's usually signing things not so much for the egotism of like or somebody asking me for autograph but it's the fact that somebody come along and you can just chat with them for a while and they they will generally say nice things about what you've done which is kind of a, a delightful way into it anyway but it's also uh it's so kind of rare from anything um artistically you do that you get such sort of direct feedback from the audience uh you know because you, you'll usually have feedback from your friends or relatives about things and and, and that you know, that's filtered through them being your friends or relatives but so it, it's just nice there to be an actual dialogue um between uh the 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 listeners and the and, and the production and yeah so there's something so nice about just actually meeting people and, and um yeah and, and and discussing these things and uh yeah that, that's the bit i really like and when writing these scripts and like for like not just the doctors but for other people do you get to meet some of the cast that are going to appear in the audio um not whilst writing it no i mean a lot of them i already have uh obviously um and uh, but not always. There are a few I've never met. I think I've like, missed Michelle Ryan at several parties, um, and and various other people. Well, Chris Rackerson, I've like heard down the, the line, uh, but I've never actually been in the same room as him. Um, and, and 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 to be fair, that's also true of some of the actors. Some of the actors have been, you know, in the same story together, uh, but never actually met because that's just sometimes the way the recordings go. Um, uh, and in some cases, these people sort of. You have to be friends of mine. I mean, I had this slightly weird thing last year when I was on tour in a play of a production of Boeing Boeing, and on the same night in Eastbourne, I had both sort of Fraser Hines and Louise Jameson turn up, sort of independently, which is just this slightly weird thing. We, you know, imagine that for my like my like teenage self. Um, go go. Oh, you'll you'll be in a production of this this yeah French farce, and you'll have two different Doctor Who companions turn up to see because they're your friends, and um, yeah, so it's stuff like that. But um, a lot of the time, I mean, when I'm writing it, I. I I, if, often if I know who it is playing it I can hear their voice and write for their voice but then one of the good things about the actors is they've also always come in and do find a new angle and surprise you and uh, take it to a, a very different uh, place basically and from the actors that you've met do you, yes. do you ever get starstruck when, when meeting them for the first time um, not for a long time I think um, the the very first ones I ever met were um, were the cast of uh, Da Francia, which was like David Warner and Susanna Harker and Sam Kelly and David Horovitch and also Janet Tinsey. But Janet Tinsey was the only one I'd not like like been a big fan of when I was a kid because David Horovitch was like in the Miss Marple series I loved as a kid. 
Sam Kelly was great in the lower low. David Warner's in everything. And Susanna Harker was House of Cards. So actually walking into the studio that day was incredibly intimidating. Um, after that point, it it's a bit harder to be intimidating. I don't think I've ever... Yeah, so even like like going in to meet like Tom Baker or Tom Baker, you're kind of going in and doing a job. So it kind of takes the edge off it a bit. And I'm just I'm a bit used to it by now. I'm sure... I'm sure there will have been occasions, and if, if, though I'm, I'm slightly struggling to get a few of them of that I made, where you kind of notice it in a way. I remember there, there was a few that I had. Um, I was doing the foe from the future. I gave a lift to oh, I forgot his name now, but uh, the, the guy who plays the main villain, and he's, he's the, the, and we, I was kind of describing the other story in the box set because it works and. Um, and Johnny Morris, the writer, basically described it as being, I can't remember what it was, but something crossed with Rages of the Lost Ark. And then I was about to say that, and then it's the realisation of going, oh, but this guy was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's the villain in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I can't say, I can't reference Raiders of the Lost Ark to his face. That would be weird. Uh, yeah, and so it's moments like that. Uh, I wish I could remember his name. I'm absolutely drawn it back. Anyway, but yeah, he, 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 was, he was great. Um... And yeah, every now and then it's bits like that where you kind of realise, yeah, you you kind of um, got yeah someone sort of amazing. And then there are others where it's been like uh, sort of in advance because remember like um, what, one of the things when you're an actor is you struggle to get uh, car insurance a lot because not because they think your actors are inherently flippant or whatever, but they basically say you might give a lift to another actor. Who might be like on on a big film and and if and the risk of injury, then you know, cost and go. And I was saying, oh, when would that ever happen? And then you know, I was giving I was giving a lift to Hayley Atwell a few weeks before Captain America came out, and you go, oh no, that's that's this. That is Mario, isn't it? And she's delightful. Um, so yeah, and, and I, I vaguely remember her because I didn't really know her well. I was going, oh, she seems very nice and will be famous and kind of deserves to be because she's genuinely nice, smart, sharp edged. Yeah. And one of uh, my favourite box sets of the spin off variety that you've done, which is uh, Robots. Uh, oh, yes. uh, what was it like writing for the robot? Because it's like, because uh, it's not like, it's technically not similar to Doctor Who, but it is in, in many other ways. I mean, yeah, that was, I, I enjoyed that a lot. That was interesting to like sort of write in the new world because Chris Boucher did such a strongly defined world that it was kind of just relatively easy to play within it and a lot of the sort of the hard work from that had been done by Nick and Matt from doing Robophobia and uh, Escape from Calden. So um it was sort of largely just going along with that and seeing where it went and then just trying to find a way into the plot. That was a no for various reasons the production that was a little bit hectic. Uh well at least the initial stages of it. But um I, I was kind of excited about it. I, I feel in particular the ro robots I have a weird connection in that like I, it was one of the earliest stories I saw because I'm half Australian. And I remember seeing episodes three and four in Australia when I was like visiting my family there one time, and and then the realization like counting through the cast list, going, okay, well I I've worked with Pamela on a lot of things, and then Louise and Tom I've worked with, and uh, Brian Crouch is a friend of a friend, and and yeah, my first doctor had you know David Bailey in and. And but then the most significant one, my voice teacher at drama school was Greg De Palma, who was D eighty four, which was one of the reasons why I was able to like get get D eighty four back in um, because I 
because I knew Greg. Um, and and so, yeah, it was, it was just one story where I felt I got a, a surprisingly wide amount of connections to, so I was able to uh, enjoy doing the connections. So I, was, I, I only got to write two, which is a bit of a shame. I kind of wouldn't have minded doing a few more. And uh, I, yeah, it was always great, particularly, I think, again, because you're getting to write for great actors, because Nicola and Claire are both terrific. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I ended up doing the, the story face to face, because um, I just thought, well, I've got these two actors, and and let's see what I can make them do, and what can I what what can I do with just the two of them for an hour, and that's where that story came from. And when writing them, do you have to when you're writing the stories for robots, do you have to rewatch the episodes to to remind yourself of how of how the the robots actually speak and how and how it's. Um, initially but after a while of doing it and like reading the scripts that became sort of second nature so if if the first time i write for a doctor or whatever i i I would tend to rewatch something but then it's almost like it gets locked and i don't really feel i have to go back to it i mean there'll be things where i watch something just to remind myself of who someone is in their sort of the the, the context of it and but with the robots in particular what i'd always end up doing was um because it was so much a series of consequences i would always like read the whole of the previous box set before them reading through whatever box I was working on just to make sure the flow was run. Um, and yeah, that kind of impacted on it quite a bit. But um, yeah, the, 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 the original TV episodes, not so much because after a while it became its own sort of thing. And when writing just in general, just as a general thing, uh, what what type of thing do you use to inspire you? Because some writers, I know for a fact, listen to like, film soundtracks to get them in the mood what was what is your sort of like way of getting into the headspace of sitting down and doing the writing oh i mean going to those spaces it's normally a cup of tea that's it if i've made a cup of tea now it's time to work whilst i sit there having a cup of tea i mean i used to have it like as a tea break and then no 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 no, no. it's no tea is what kind of powers me through um inspiration wise i just watch a lot of films read a lot of books go for long walks because the the, the actual the actual typing of the script, but I kind of don't need too much. It's just like, yeah, let's go straight for that. Coming up with the actual plot ideas and and things like that. It's usually it, it's it is listening to music on a, on long walks. The music I'm kind of familiar with, so I can I'm not I'm not entirely listening to it, but my brain is distracted enough that I'm not getting distracted by other things because I'm very attention to it. And what what is like your favorite film to watch to like? give you some ideas of where you want to go with certain stories oh um i don't know if films in particular i i I don't think there's a specific one i think um it's kind of useful watching things that are quite sort of now and quite sort of zeitgeisty both in film and tv just because that can prompt you into kind of fresh new angles you know there's there's broadly speaking no such thing as a new idea it's usually just two old ideas matched together so there can be a vibe of thinking, well, what if I took Doctor Who and smashed it into this program? Um, and sometimes that's directly a kind of thing, but other times it's more sort of oblique. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's anything that I specifically watch to get me into like a specific vibe of how I kind of direct stories. Um, but generally speaking, it's just like being, you know, very knees deep in, in stories at all points. And for anyone that's watching this that uh, might might be wanting to get into writing scripts in in general or or writing audio, what advice and and tips and and tools oh. would you give someone? 
there, there's a few um give yourself deadlines um even if even if you don't if you haven't got a deadline the idea of having a specific deadline be quite public about these things as well because if, if you're just doing it and you haven't told anyone you're doing it it's very easy to stop doing it um give yourself a brief if no one's given it so you know it's much easier to come up with a story about an elephant than just a story somebody says tell me a story about an elephant you'll start being able to tell ideas but if you just say tell me a story you won't but the two big ones i always say which sound trite is rule number one is start it and rule number two is finish it and they both sound like they are but the amount of ideas you have that you never actually get onto paper is huge and they you can't make them or do anything with them if you've not written them down and in particular you can't do anything with them if you haven't finished them we've all got ideas we've like written some of you've got to get to the end so you can send them out those are the big tips i have and when, when, like, what tools do you use to actually write your scripts? Do you just go the old-fashioned method and pen and paper, or do you type on certain programs? Oh, I'm I'm usually on on the iPad, and it it varies. I think Word for scripts, Pages for script editing, Final Draft for other projects, because I I help it find it helpful to kind of keep them demarcated to a degree. Um, I used to do paper a lot, and that that's potentially a good way of starting off, um, but because writing longhand and then you have to type it up it means something about typing it up it looks finished you don't have to whereas if you've written it out you then have to write the whole thing out again and that helps you judge every single line and make sure it's all kind of fine i got quicker when i was writing sketches for the radio that kind of meant i had to be fast and i began to like cut out the, the middle stage of the process then and then i feel that i've not had to do that ever since and do you, do you believe that your skill as a writer has improved over the years or do you reckon it's still the same? Yeah, yeah, it, it, I, I'm it, I definitely slicker at it. It's weird listening to some of the early ones thinking, oh, this feels a bit, you know, the, the first Saffron Steel one, I, I felt a bit slow when I listened to it last time. And that's, I'd already like, I think I'd cut about 10,000 words of it quite late because it was massively overwritten. And so if it was massively over, how long was it? How slow would it have been in that initial pass? I feel that, yeah, I can get through things. I don't have to worry too much about the detail. At the same time, writing storylines is absolute hell on earth and always has been and never gets any better. Uh, you know, I've done over 100 of these things now, 120, 100, whatever it is, both Doc Fu and everything else. And yeah, coming up with the plot, working out the nuts and bolts of it, that I hate every single time. And it's kind of like, yeah, brain meltingly blood sweating. And yeah, yeah. So, so some aspects, yes, I've got better. Other aspects, I'm still the same as I ever. And when working with the finish, do you go to them with an idea and they tell you they want you to write it or not? Or do they come to you and say, we've got this idea, would you be able to write it? I mean, usually I get a brief. Usually the brief is kind of as vague as Doctor and Companion. Sometimes there's a bit more. Uh, every now and then I'll suggest something. Um, I think like Monsters in Metropolis, I was asked for a night of story and I, what, I what, nobody said Cybermen, but then I came up with an idea for a Cyberman story and said, can I do this? And they 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 went with it fortunately, um, and th there's one I came up with recently where I had a good idea for an old monster story with an old monster, and just thought emailed Matt said can I do this and he went yeah I've got a slot going you can do that and yeah every now and then that happens where you just have an idea and, and message it and it gets to the right person and they go yeah we've got a slot you can use that, um, and, but at the same time I've also got a big file of nominal ideas that I go at some point I use that at some point I use that and just waiting for the right person to ask and uh, with with you doing multiple other ranges not the top to who do you ever think that any of the other ranges you've done could ever cross over with Doctor Who like a multi like a multimedia story um 
n- none of the other ones have worked on. I mean, most of the ones I've worked. I mean, the Avengers, the Avengers is is too. I mean, I don't want to say down to earth because that's a very weird way of looking at the Avengers. But it's, um, uh, I mean, I, I think you'd break the tone of almost any of them. Star Cops, you can do Survivors would be weird as hell. Um, I did think one I didn't work on that could work is Adam Adamant. Um, I I was quite tempted by the idea of trying to do like a William Russell. Uh, Adam Adam and crossover with Gerald Harper, which would have been uh, quite good fun, but that never came across. Uh, never, never came about. Um, I, 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 I'm trying to think if there are any others that kind of leap out at me. I, th- I feel, I feel, I feel that in my head there's, there's at some point I thought of an idea for some would make an entertaining crossover with Doctor Who, but uh, yeah, not something we had the rights to, but just one of those things going. Oh, that could be fun to do. But for, for the life of me, I couldn't tell you what it was either. And um, it, because a lot of fans, if you, oh, not a lot, but some of them on YouTube have been animating different Big Finish stories, hmm. which out of the ones you've written yourself uh, from scratch, which ones yeah. do you reckon would work really well, either as an animated production or as a live action thing on the telly? Um, oh, that's an interesting one. Uh, animated wise, I do think something like like Buying Time and the Wrong Woman could work. Um because I think that was, I mean, it's, it's, it's a question that gets asked, but I think um, most of the time they're written so consciously with audio in mind that I'm, I'm not sure animation would always work, because uh, there are certainly things where I would include something where you go, I kind of don't want people to be able to visualise this. I think that's kind of could be a, a little bit scary. So like the Red Lady, I think would be really hard to do. Um, which given, I think that someone, you know, got a note on the storyline when they submitted the going, going, do you really think you can do a finale, which is just them drawing the paper? And you go, yes. Yes, I know what I'm going to do. It'll be good, um, but yeah, others. I, I I always thought that if I was going to like like adapt one for TV or something, I was like, probably something like you know the trouble with Drax, uh, just something with, like that. Where I I think there's fun to be had, and I don't think it would necessarily. It's not so wedded on being audio. Not that I, I think it hasn't got bits in it that work better because it's audio, but yeah, I feel that. It would probably be something along those lines. Um, maybe solitaire, but I think I think with almost any of them, I'd have to do a fairly hefty rewrite um, because I, I I think so they they are really based and rooted in audio the majority of the time. And you mentioned there uh, the red the red lady part of Doom Coalition One, and did you get to have your your say in how you wanted the cover? of that episode to look because it was written from your vision no no that kind of every now and then that kind of comes up where someone suggests something or kind of says what do you think about this cover is this too spoilery uh or is this kind of roughly what you're thinking um most of the time it it's absolutely up to up to the artist every now and then what they've come up with is nothing like what i have in my head and there's at least one cut one one time where i kind of go yeah that's that's probably a bit off uh, but that, that kind of colours people's perceptions of it. But then, to be fair, it's what they get from reading the scripts and what I've done. So, um, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I don't have much much say or much influence on any of those things. And I think the Red Lady one, though, is well, I remember is pretty good cover uh, that I've got a lot of uh, of liking for. Really. Um, and yeah, like ninety five percent of the time, if not more than that, the covers come through, and it's just the most delightful thing imaginable. It's always really exciting. The first time you see one of the covers um so yeah and how did you like come about with the idea for the red lady because it's such an interesting concept i think it was 
and largely influenced by kind of a few like old short stories I've read. There's a couple of Stephen Kings in there, like the Sun Dog, I think, and the Road Virus. The Road Virus Goes North, or something like that, it's called. Um, and also the Mesentint by uh, L.R. James. All of these things where there's something alive in a work. But also, I think there's a. Oh, I want to. I think it's an Orson Welles film, um, which, which it's called Three. Actually, it's not. If my brain is immediately going something like Three Tales of Terror, which I don't think it is, but there's one of those. Is it's like an, it's an anthology of three things, and one of them involves a painting in an art gallery that people. It's a painting of a house, and somebody gets trapped inside the painting. So it's all manner of, there's a vague sense of it in, in the ether. And I thought, oh, I quite feel something like that. And it's all things that kind of crept, crept me out a bit when I was a kid. And kind of wanting to riff on some of those. I, I was, I was getting to the point every now and then you're like something, oh, I haven't written a scary one in a while. Maybe I should do a scary one. And that's what I mean in terms of what I was saying about our dice earlier, giving yourself a brief. So sometimes if the brief is completely, right, eight dogs three, when this happens, I go, Okay, I think I'll do a scary one. I don't think we've had a scary eighth Doctor one for a while. Let's make a scary one. What's scary? Oh yeah, something that's kind of slowly malevolently coming towards you and is sort of defies comprehension. Um, so yeah, aspect of that kind of fed into it. Again, that's again the same thing I was saying about reading right things. You don't you don't like copy it, but um you you've got these sort of almost like cultural land landmarks in your head that kind of lead you into a new place, hopefully. And and was it like fun to to write this story? Because when you listen to it, you can feel that it's come from a love of horror and a love of like yeah, it is Doctor Who, but it is also like really spooky. Yeah, I mean, I I remember having a good time. It was always slightly surprising to me that people find it as scary and terrifying as it was because I had you know a lovely time writing it. So bits like the uh, the professor's death with the phone call, where even like people were saying it was really, I was getting notes back on the script saying it's really, but this bit's really spooky. I go, oh. Oh, is it okay? Great, I'll, I'll, I'll run with that. That sounds good to me. Um, and yeah, the, I, I remember rightly. The only bit I kind of really struggled with was, I think, uh, Helen's opening scene, where I think I kind of wrote the first version of that, and just going, no, I didn't think this works because I, I think, um, I think the, 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 the her opening scene is she's having an argument with the bosses at the National Museum, and in, I think in the first draft, what they were saying was almost too rational and sensible. So she was coming over as a complete loony when she was trying to sort of argue back against them. And I was going, no, 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 she's got to be the sensible. So I sort of ups, I went back and I don't think I even changed that much of her dialogue. I think I changed their responses. Yeah. Um, but that's the main bit I remember about writing that one. That, I can remember bits and bobs of it coming up with it, like, like a lot of them, because, you know, most of them, the actual scripting takes no more than a month. And there's often a bit of thinking times, but you know, the actual scripting is, is no more than a, a month per hour, but maybe not even that. Um, so it, it's a long time ago, and and I get flashes of almost every story I can kind of go, I remember writing this bit, or something about the context of this bit, and, you know, but yeah, there, there, there's, yeah, not masses and masses of detail on most of them. When you're, you're writing the stories, because, like, the majority of stories are an hour, how do you, how do you know... When you finish the script, that it is exactly an hour long. Oh, I mean, it's a word count thing. We we're kind of contracted to word count. Um, and it's about ten thousand words. Um, most of the time they kind of nudge over. Uh, and but as long as it's roughly in that ballpark, I think again, there's a few times when 
your instinct kings in. I think something like the Burning Prince ones are a bit over 10,000 words because I was very aware of how sort of frenetic that was. And we're going to go, this is going to be done at pace. So I imagine this is going to go quicker than, so, so the, you know, 11,000 words will probably read as 10. Um, but, but even with the work, I think it could be really variable. I think that there's something like, um, I think Infamy of the Zaros and the, the, the second half of the two masters are about the same length word count wise, but they're about 20 to 30 minutes difference in actual performance. Because, you know, but you get used to it with a lot of it. I, I don't think I'd be quite as, as stride as that before because you think, okay, if there are long speeches, um, that eats up more of the word count than, well, it's up a, it, the word count in a different way to like, you know, yes, no, whatever, like one word things where, you know, you, you're effectively getting one spoken word for every two words, whereas this is like, say, 50s words for spoken words for every 51 words so you know being aware of how that kind of works i think the thing that always helps me out is i've kind of got to a point where the storylines are kind of broadly precise and about one page of a particular pagination i use is almost always 30 minutes so if i do a two pages ago that's going to be an hour if, and if i'm writing a two hour one which is the last one i've done um yeah i go yeah that's going to be about two hours to twenty thousand words give or take so is it quicker to write an, an hour-long piece than it is a two-hour-long piece? Yes, I mean, I, I mean, I say that not not always. Some there there are some hour-long things that I there's at least one two-hour-long thing where it was needed quite quickly, and I had a lot of fun. So I wrote it quicker than a lot of things I've done that were like half the length. But uh, that's usually the thing that kind of it, the the level of connection with the story. And the amount of fun I'm having, and the amount of other things that are going on, uh, and and the pressures I've got on it, um, all kind of factor. And weirdly, I say the more pressure, the probably the quicker I can write it. And um, and is there is there a particular like story that you that you've written that you would wish you had like gone back over again now thinking about it, and you want to rewrite a certain bit? Oh, there are there are loads. Um, just little bits where there's you know there's at least one where there's a continuity error. There's one bit where there's one where I uh, added an extra bit of peril that I thought I needed that just kind of feels massively redundant when I hear it. Um, there are one or two of them where I, I'm a little uncomfortable with, uh, you know, the politics of it, if anything. Not that I think I ever kind of went particularly bad on the politics, but there's just one or two where I'm going, yeah, maybe not so much now. Um, a, a, a tiny bit cloth-eared and, and not really thinking these things through and being a bit patronizing um but yeah I, I kind of tend not to like to draw too much attention to them because you know if, if somebody isn't here doesn't hear it then um yeah that's it I, I i don't want to spoil it for people kind of saying yeah look out for this bit this bit's a bit rubbish um and also i don't want to be so arrogant as to assume that my opinion on my own work is the, is the most valid opinion so if 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 there's a bit which I don't think works, um, yeah, I, it 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 might still work perfectly for somebody else, and they go, yep, you know that's fair enough. Yeah, and once like a, an audio is out, like a box set is out, do you go on and and it's been out for quite some time? Do you go online and watch people like fans reviews on your stories? I mean, sometimes it's kind of hard to avoid them. Um, even if you're not looking, it's surprisingly easy to stumble across these things. Um, people will usually tweet me if it's a positive thing. Um, 
but I, I you know i'm on some of the forums and occasionally we'll look I, I do think it's kind of i think it's important to be aware of a fan reaction um because yeah yeah it, it's your audience and it's kind of what you're going for and you kind of ultimately without the audience you're nothing um at the same time it's also important not to be too uh troubled by any of it because you know it, it's everyone's opinion is is basically valid and and a lot of the time you can't tell from context so yeah not everything is going to be for everyone and and, and i i'd never particularly re recommend focusing on anything specific so yeah i it, it's not really a great thing to do but then uh, uh, yeah, you, you, I think it's a, it's a weird combination. Yeah, useful to keep in touch with what the fans are saying because you don't want to be, you don't want to completely ignore it because I think that's getting to a slightly problematic thing if you're going to go, well, I don't care what they think. I've written my story and I'm releasing it to the world. And you're going, well, clearly, you, you know, you, you want them to listen to it and enjoy it. That would be, you know, and, and try to figure out what you did wrong as well if, you, if they don't. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you don't want to be too beholden. So yeah, somewhere in the middle. And now coming towards the end of this glorious, wonderful, and amazing interview, uh, now is your time to promote any story that either is coming out, is out, or anything you want the viewers, the fans, to know about what you're up to. Um, actually, really, I mean, I, th I think from the Doctor Who's, I mean, it's all pretty much there. I mean, I, I think the only one I can really talk about, well, yeah, the only thing I can talk about that isn't out yet, is 24 doors in december which is the the second which is good I, I like that one a lot very fond of it it's got a nice it's got a nice conceit which is probably broadly hinted at by the title um but um that was fun to do i i, I might kind of ref, ref, reference the other things i've been doing so i've been doing um well i've mentioned the 10k we're doing um which will probably i don't know when this is out but you know it, it's we're doing it on the 10th of june we're running for cancer research charities um and that's six of us doing it and should be fun should be well it won't be fun it'll be horrible but um you know we're, we're doing we're doing well and raising a reasonable amount of money for charity there which we're quite excited about as a group um also um I, I i've still got several episodes of the podcast i did with a couple of friends of mine uh tom Selinsky, who's written various audios and jess regan who's been in a few um we did a podcast called best pick p-i-c-k where we watched all the films that won best picture of the oscars um and entirely recommend why most other people probably shouldn't do that because yeah because it's only worth doing if you're absolutely determined to watch all of them because really some of them are absolutely terrible so yeah so there's a book of that and a podcast of that with several episodes going which are probably worth a look yeah apart from that all the regular doctor standard stuff with many exciting things to come in the years ahead well thank you for me interview now for viewers uh, of the Tom Mason Empire, yes, I said Empire, that is correct. So 17 YouTube channels and 12 podcasts and a couple of other bizarre things uh, is definitely an empire. Well, we've got some exciting stuff on the Tom Mason, this channel you're watching now, if you're watching the video version, uh, coming out on Friday and Saturday. Woo! But other than that, you could check out my other interviews. Ooh, because that's special about you. Another one. Uh, by the time this video's out, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I do not, because I'm currently recording this one. So why would I know? I'm not a magician. Anyway, guys, thank you for watching. And remember, no, I've forgotten.